Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Lewis Riddick will join me in just a minute. On the Shell Pennzoil performance line, a million things to get to with him and his capacity as our voice of Monday Night Football. He had the game of the year last Monday. I want to get into that. He's got a very important game coming up this Monday for the suddenly struggling Steelers. I want to get into that. I've got a list of all of the best job openings for head coaches as ranked in order one through nine by Bill Barnwell. If your team stinks like mine does, then you'll be interested to hear where it ranks on this list. That's coming up and a whole lot more. Oh, we got great basketball conversation, including the one, the only, the inimitable Sir Charles Barkley. You will hear all of that coming up here in just the next little while as I continue. And a reminder that while I always tell you, I would love for you to hang out with me for two hours every single day. I understand you have a life to lead. So if you miss anything on my show, it is a podcast. It is available every single day. Each hour becomes its own podcast. Bubba does a good job putting those together. It is called Hashtag Greeny, and it's available anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, Lewis Riddick is with me here. And and, and before we get into all of the football stuff, uh, Lewis, I, I hope that you know that yesterday when uh, I was on the air, when Shefty and Mort reported the, the stuff about you having conversations with the Texans and the Lions about um, the opportunity potentially to go become the general managers there, that I was besieged, besieged with tweets from fans of both of those teams praying that they would get you. That is the relationship that you have developed with football fans in this country. It's something that you have earned, and I hope it makes you feel as good as it made me feel. Yeah, Green, I'll tell you what. I mean, obviously ESPN has has given me a platform. I mean, as you know, you're 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 one of the pillars of this company. It's given me a platform to reach a lot of different people as far as how I feel about the game and how I love the game and how everything I have I owe to the game and people seem to like and gravitate towards and kind of really want to hear some of the things views that I have and I'm I'm grateful for that. I mean, I, I really am. And I owe ESPN a lot for that. And, um, you know, I, I was I was just telling my wife, man, I said, you know, the thing that makes me feel good about it all, like whatever happens, is I know that I earned everything. Nothing was given to me. And that gives me a lot of satisfaction, you know, even at this point, which where nothing has really nothing has really taken place. I have more I want to accomplish. So I, I'm very grateful, man. I'm grateful to you. Going all the way back to, I remember my very first time of being on Mike and Mike. I remember just being nervous as hell. Like I'm on Mike and Mike, dude. I used to watch the show all the time, and it's it's been a wild ride. And I hope it just gets even wilder going forward. Absolutely. And and as I said yesterday and said to you this morning, as your friend, whatever works best for you, that's what I hope happens. In the meantime, let's talk about football because there's three particular things I want to get to. I, I love doing, I love talking to guys who do the games about the teams that they cover because I know how you have studied the film so closely. And then in the case of Cleveland and Baltimore, you did the game last Monday. So let's start with the Ravens. I came out of that game. Here's what I said on Tuesday, Lewis. Tell me if, if you see it this way. The Ravens last year were the team that absolutely everything went right. Everything that could possibly go right went right. They stayed remarkably healthy. They had this newfangled offense that people didn't really know what to do with. Lamar Jackson had a season for the ages, and and it just sort of they just sort of cruised all the way through. Fourteen and two, unanimous MVP. This year has been the year where everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. They've been decimated by injury. They got hit harder by COVID than any other team in North American sports, including with Lamar Jackson. 
But now it feels to me like it's sort of coming together at the end and there's something about them in the role of the underdog that I kind of feel like might suit them a little better than the role of the prohibitive favorite. I view them as very dangerous going down the stretch and into the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're on to something there. I think, you know, camaraderie, esprit de corps, you know, just chemistry, all, all that stuff means so much in, in football. And I think you see that this team has that in it, in it, it gets even stronger when obviously everyone or the majority of the players are healthy and on the football field. And I think that kind of thing accounts for even more this year because you can tell which teams really value that closeness when they actually play on the field because they haven't been able to see each other or be around each other. And you saw that at the end of that game when, when Justin kicks that field goal, Tucker kicks the field goal to win the game. You saw the elation on these guys on all of their faces and how they were hugging each other. And jump. I mean, and you're thinking, okay, yeah, it's a Monday night game. It's a big comeback win and all, but there was like true, authentic, like jubilation. And these, and, and I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, they knew, they know that their, their arrows pointing up and if they can just stay healthy and stay COVID free and not have a bunch of guys, go on the COVID uh, list and all of a sudden just whack their chances again, that they can play with anybody. They're ex- as explosive as anyone. And that's a very powerful thing to have at this point in time in the year. And if you're John Harbaugh, the head coach, you, you are like, man, just, you know, I'm just hoping our guys can all stay together because we have a very, very tight knit group here. I think they look like a very dangerous team going forward. Greeny and Lewis Riddick presented by Progressive Insurance. The team that they beat in, again, what I think was the best game of the season to this point, Cleveland. They're a fascinating one as well because they seem to have everything you're looking for in a team. Certainly on the offensive side, I think they have more balance Mm -hmm. than any of the other teams, any of the contenders in the AFC. They've got an offensive line that is sensational. They have a coach who I think is a coach of the year candidate, and they have a quarterback who feels like he's coming into his own right before our eyes. As you watch Cleveland, Mm -hmm. what do you think we're seeing? Yeah, I I agree. This is not the same old Browns. I believe that they, you know, at some point in time, you have to say whether or not a team and the franchise has turned the corner. I think they've turned the corner. I think even though in the loss, although there's no moral victories in the NFL, and we know that, I think Cleveland announced and showed that they have the right stuff. And they are still going to have to learn how to win big games on a much more consistent basis against the big boys. And they'll do that. They'll do that. And they'll do that because they have a GM who's aligned with the head coach, a head coach who now has gotten found that sweet spot with the quarterback, a quarterback who is connecting with the rest of the team, the offense in particular, uh, the wide receivers and tight ends specifically. They have two very good running backs. They're built from the inside out. The offensive line is strong. The defensive line is strong. They have a guy on the defensive line who's going to be up for defensive player of the year. Do they still need reinforcements? Sure. Do they need either Odell Beckham Jr. to come back healthy next year or get another legit outside lane threat? Yeah, they do. Could they use more corners and maybe another safety who can actually turn the ball over because they're, they just don't, they don't turn the ball over enough. They don't produce enough of them. Yeah, they do. But there's time that still do that. They're still in the infant stages of their program build with this regime, but this regime should stick around for a while. I think Cleveland fans should realize that, hey, we finally found it. 
Now let's continue to build. And once they get into this postseason, you know how it is. It's single elimination. It's sudden death. Who says they, they could beat anybody? I mean, they can beat anyone because they have the firepower to do it. But they're going to get stronger and stronger which each, with each uh, offseason of adding more and more weapons. Lewis Riddick is with me on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. And then we skip ahead to this coming Monday where you will have the Steelers and the Bengals. And, and the Steelers have been a, a team that we have talked so much about because they started so hot and now they feel like they are struggling. So after our conversation this morning, our mutual friend, Mr. Hembo, sent me these stats. All right, Lewis, here we go. In, mm-hmm. their, in the two games they've lost, their average drive, so each time they get the ball, they average keeping it mm-hmm. for two minutes and five seconds. And 88% of their yards in those two games have come in the passing game, which leaves 12% Mm -hmm. for the running game. This, to me, is the obvious problem. And so my question to you, as you sit and I'm sure are looking at the tape, are they not Mm -hmm. running it because they've just decided they can't? Or are they? is there another reason they're not running it? Because they're the most one-dimensional team in the sport, and I don't understand it. Yeah, I think with offensive coordinators, what happens is when you run it early on, and then you don't have you don't pop a big one like a 10 15 20 yard run and you look you know down at your sideline or if you're on the sideline calling plays you look around you and you see look at all these gazelles i have here look at all these high performance athletes at wide receiver i have and then i have ben roethlisberger who is one of the great quarterbacks to ever play this game you start you you almost become a victim of your surroundings and go well i'm just going to start throwing because we can light it up these guys are playmakers and then what happens is if you, you start throwing it and then you don't get some success, then you start getting impatient and going, well, now i got to make up for the fact that we didn't hit some big plays earlier and we didn't get good big plays in the run game. And then next thing you know, you're almost like chasing your tail. Then your defense starts getting tired, and then maybe a team starts scoring on your defense. And then all of a sudden it just kind of keeps snowballing. And I think that's what happens to Pittsburgh right now. And then on top of it, when your receivers are dropping the football and then you're trying to get their psyche back in alignment where you need it to be. So you want to throw it to them a little bit more. So you get them out of that. Fun. You see what I'm saying? It just starts to roll downhill. And I think they need to snap out of that. They need to snap out of that and go, okay, look, sometimes, a, sometimes a two, three yard run is exactly what we need because one, it slows down the game Two, the offensive linemen get to come off the football and be a little bit more physical. Three, Ben gets a break mentally. The wide receivers get a little bit of a break. The defense is getting a break. So it's, that's this complimentary football. And Mike Tomlin knows that. I mean, this is one – he's the winningest coach in franchise history from a winning percentage standpoint. Go figure that. But you would think that people – you know, some people act like Mike Tomlin needs to be fired because he's not managing this team right. Hmm. But they, they need – but they do need to get it straight, Greeny. They do need to get it straightened out, that balance, before they get into the postseason because you don't run the football, you lose the time of possession battle, and your defense gets tired. Go ahead and play the Chiefs if you want with that formula, and that's what's going to happen. They're going to put about 35-40 on you, and you're going to be going home. So they got to get it right. In closing, Lewis, I would say this. I would give anything for Mike Tomlin to get fired because if, if the, <laughs> my team is going to be looking for a head coach. Mike Tomlin two weeks ago was the runaway favorite for coach of the year. And he is, in my opinion, when if you sort of put Bill Belichick in a separate conversation, I think Tomlin is the best coach yeah. in the NFL. And I, so, I mean, the idea that doesn't mean he gets everything right because no one gets everything right. But if, sure. if he's being sure. sig- significantly criticized, I haven't really heard that. And that would strike me as ridiculous. Yeah. you know, I mean, 
it's funny because like I think in within Pittsburgh, you know, the, the stakes are so high. Rather, the standard is so high, and part of it is because he has he likes to say the standard is the standard. And I think sometimes people irrationally hold them to this standard that's just irrational. And look, I'm, I'm not suggesting he's getting because he's not. He's not going anywhere. But let's just say in, in the event that somehow, some way, Mike Tomlin became available, it would he would be the fastest rehire probably in the history of football. <laughs> it would be like, okay, as soon as he stepped out to his car, yeah. he'd have another job. I mean, it'd be stupid. So it, it, it'll never happen. But I'm, I'm just saying, people just need to sometimes you know, step back and take a deep breath because this man can coach his rear end off. Oh, yeah. As good as anybody. All right, Lewis, awesome. Thank you. We will see you Monday, and, you know, we'll keep in touch. We'll see what happens. Thank you, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks. All right, Lewis. That's Lewis Riddick on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas, gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil, based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Quickly, I had a, I did, it was a 100% true. I had that, that news broke about Lewis having these interviews while we were on yesterday, while I was on doing the show. And I, I was, I was, it made me feel good to see all the people who were tweeting, oh, please let him come to my team. Please let him come to my team because he's so smart. And he's just so good, and I can tell you he's a great guy. And and some people said to me, you know, would you hate to see him go? And I always say, no, I wouldn't hate to see him go. If he wants to go, I want to see him go. I've been here so long that I've seen so many people come and go that that's just part of it. It's part of the natural cycle of this. At ESPN, we have, we have the right people in there talking about it because they are exactly like that. Lewis Riddick is doing our Monday Night Football games, and oh, by the way, he's someone that a bunch of NFL teams would love to come be their general manager. That's what makes him great. And if what makes him happy next would be to go get one of those jobs, terrific. I'm all for it. And if, if he continues to work here with us for as long as I'm here, that obviously selfishly would be great. So whoever that works out, as I always say, and as I just said to him, whatever makes him happy, that's what I hope winds up being the case. All right. Uh, I found this on ESPN.com, and I think it's interesting. So we go from talking about the best teams to talking about the worst. Bill Barnwell put together a column on ESPN Plus right now, uh, and it lists nine teams that he believes will have coaching vacancies at the end of this season. And he ranks the jobs one through nine in the order of desirability. Desirability. How good or bad a job is this? And of the nine teams he projects to be open, the one that he considers to be the least desirable is Chicago. The Chicago Bears, he ranks at number nine, dead last because of a lack of cap space and no long-term quarterback. I have to tell you that I agree with it. I, I have said this for a little while, and I know I made a lot of people in Chicago mad at me when I said it, but I said it a couple of weeks ago. They are as far away right now. They are that team on its way down to the bottom of the pool, and they haven't gotten there yet. You got to touch bottom and then start working your way back up. They need to get to the bottom and then start working their way back up. I agree with the assessment that that is the least attractive job if it becomes available. Next, at number eight, they list the Detroit Lions because of a lack of cap space and core talent. They obviously do have Matthew Stafford, and who knows what you can parlay that into, but they have the Lions at eight. He's got the Broncos at seven. I, I didn't even know that that was a place where we were considering seriously a coaching change, but Bill Barnwell is, and he does not think that's a good place to go because of quarterback, tough division, and uncertainty in the ownership. And number six, the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think it's very clever the way he put this. He lists pros and cons for each of these jobs. And under pro, he lists quarterback. And under con, he lists quarterback. And I think that's right. 
That's a good assessment of the situation in Philadelphia right now. If you are a believer in Carson Wentz and you believe you can turn him back into what he looked like he might be, then that becomes a pretty good job. If you don't, you're stuck with him. And so it becomes a bad job. So I think right around in the middle of the pack is right where it belongs. At number five, he puts Jacksonville because they have a high draft pick, they have patient ownership, and they have cap space. At number four, he puts the New York Jets. And the, the number one reason why it is positive is that they have the path to Trevor Lawrence, which we all see. Look, if, assuming they finish with the number one pick, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, who everyone says is a generational talent. So I do agree. But I obviously read through his write-up on this one because I was particularly interested. And he said, should the Jets and Jaguars swap spots at the top of the draft, the Jags job would move up to number three and the Jets would be at the bottom, eight or nine. The Jets are this high because of the possibility they'll end up taking Lawrence with the first overall pick. That is clearly the case. I fully agree. And under the reasons why it's a bad job, he lists bereft of talent and ownership. And I underlined both because they are both obviously correct. At number three, he puts the Atlanta Falcons, so he likes that job. They do have some pieces in place. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Matty Ice and Julio. At number two, he puts the Houston Texans, because they have Deshaun Watson, and that makes sense. Now, they don't have almost anything else. But if you have a quarterback of that caliber in place, then you're in great shape, which is why I thought they'd be number one. But at number one, he put the Los Angeles Chargers, and that's because of Justin Herbert, and a very good young core of players. I actually agree. I think it's a good piece, and if you're interested in any of those teams, you can read through it. He's got much more detail than I just gave you, but those are the potential job openings that, according to Barnwell, are the most and least intriguing. And so if you're Eric Bieniemy or one of these other guys that everybody's going to want, that might be the order in which you are considering them. Uh, Greeny reminding you that hiring can be challenging, which is a perfect uh, setup from all of these job openings that are available here. Hiring is challenging, especially with everything else you have to consider today. But there's one place where hiring is simple and fast and smart, and that place is ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. ZipRecruiter, which is the smartest way to hire. This is a perfect opportunity for you to try some active listening. Unsolicited advice. All right, every now and again, I offer some unsolicited advice on this program, but even rarer than that is the occasion when I cede that to someone else. But did you hear Charles Barkley this morning with KJZ here on ESPN Radio? If you didn't, you missed a lot. Charles Barkley offered the following unsolicited advice to the Brooklyn Nets' Kyrie Irving. I thought it was interesting, and so I will cede my unsolicited advice moment to Charles Barkley. Yo, man, you dribble a basketball. Stop acting like you're the smartest person in the world. Now, can you talk about social issues and things like that? Of course. But some of that other stuff, I'm like, yo, man, you do realize you're just a basketball player, right? Uh, and it seems like he's like, no, I want you guys to know I'm the smartest guy in the room. I'm like, well, first of all, you're not. You only went to college for six months. A lot of player, a lot of guys are smarter than you are. Just answer stupid basketball questions. And if you want to say something about social justice, say it and mean it because it's important and significant. But all that other stuff, like, yo, man, shut the hell up and talk basketball. Sir Charles, this morning, KJZ, here on ESPN Radio. 
That's his unsolicited advice, and it is mine. I cede my time to Charles Barkley gladly. More basketball as we continue. I will tell you why James Harden suddenly has me thinking about mustard. And if they are going to rewrite the definition of irony in the dictionary, I have a picture that they could use for it. It comes from the world of sports, and it happened today. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny with you at half past the hour, coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Snowy and chilly where we are. Hope that wherever you are, you're nice and toasty warm. Great sports time. Really looking forward to the next few weeks. Great football to talk about. Coming up in just a few minutes here, I will tell you why James Harden had me thinking about mustard. Mustard. Earlier today. But first, I like this, and you might have just heard the story in Christine Lisi's Sports Center. but I looked up the dictionary definition of the word irony because I, I thought this would be such a perfect example of it. And the definition of irony is an event that seems deliberately contrary to what one expects and is often amusing as a result. And if they want, they could replace that definition with a picture of Freddie Kitchens. The Cleveland Browns and New York Giants play a game on Sunday night that no one could ever have expected before the season began was going to feel nearly as big and important as it does. This is the game that they flexed the Cowboys out of. They flexed the Cowboys out of Sunday night to put on the Browns and the Giants. And the Giants need to bounce back in the worst way. And you may have just heard Christine Lisi say it. Jason Garrett, their offensive coordinator and play caller, has gone on the COVID list. First and foremost, we wish uh, Coach Garrett the best, and, and hopefully he is fine. But the person who steps into his role calling the plays is Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens, the most maligned coach in recent memory in the NFL. 
Adam Gase, I think, watches Freddie Kitchens the way he was last year in Cleveland and says, well, thank goodness it's not like that. It could be worse. I could be Freddie Kitchens last year in Cleveland because the difference between Gase in New York this year and Kitchens last year in Cleveland is that everyone looks at Gase and says, he's a bad coach coaching a bad team. Last year in Cleveland, the perspective, right, wrong, fair or not, was Freddie Kitchens is a bad coach ruining a good team. And they did make some acquisitions during the offseason. They rebuilt that offensive line in Cleveland. It's not fair to just say the only difference is take out Kitchens and put in Stefanski. But the obvious reality is you look how much better they've gotten this year in his departure. So now here is Kitchens in this huge primetime spotlight game against his former team calling the plays for the Giants. Irony can be pretty ironic sometimes. So I'm looking forward to watching that, and I think it will be interesting to see how it goes. You also heard Christine Lisi in her Sports Center saying that the news we're waiting on is what's going to come out of New Orleans. Sean Payton saying they're still weighing a lot of choices as the Saints get set to play the Chiefs this weekend. I'm telling you, do not be surprised if it winds up being Drew. The sense I'm getting, I, I think this is a critical game, and I think if Breeze can go, they need to win this game. The Saints need to find a way to beat Kansas City. If not, they will probably fall hopelessly behind Green Bay for the one seed in the NFC, which means no buy for my 41-year-old quarterback, and it means that my 41-year-old quarterback, if we get that far, has to play the NFC Championship game coming off of 11 cracked ribs and a punctured lung in Lambeau Field, where it's guaranteed to be negative 10. So to me, if Breeze can play, Breeze is going to play. Let's wait and see what they decide to do. All right, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance, protecting small businesses with specialized coverages for commercial vehicles. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Meanwhile, this morning I was talking with the one and only Jalen Rose about the situation involving James Harden, who by now you know wants out of Houston, hasn't been able to figure out a way to get out yet, took as much time as he possibly could to report to the team, including hanging out with Lil Baby down in Atlanta and going out to Vegas for a while. Now he has shown up in Houston. Um, let's, let's put this as kindly as we can, not looking as though he is in tip-top peak physical condition, and he's just sort of waiting it out until they can figure out a trade. And so I was talking to Jalen about where to expect him to wind up, and Jalen used a term that I think is a very appropriate one in this circumstance. He said, if you're a team that is interested in finding a way to make yourself better, James Harden is an acquired taste. And I've always liked that expression. When I was a kid, I hated mustard. You couldn't put mustard near anything. I wouldn't eat it. I didn't like the way it smelled. Hot dogs, sabrette stand in the street. No, no, no mustard. Hated mustard. Openly hated mustard. Now I'm addicted to mustard. I love mustard. You could put mustard on a shoe and I would eat it. That's how much I love mustard. So I acquired the taste. James Harden is kind of like that. Because if you're going to bring James Harden in, here's what he's going to do. He's going to put up huge numbers. He's going to make your games interesting. He's going to sell tickets. But is he going to help you win? That's really the question. So if you're a bad team, I understand wanting Harden. Bad, get better. 
Just let him do all the things he does. Let him dribble the air out of the clock. Let him take step back threes. He's a walking 30-point triple-double. But is there any evidence that suggests that A, playing that way is a way to win, and B, that he is ever going to win when the games matter the most? The answer to that, of both of those questions, is no. There's no evidence that anyone, any team, whose lead player plays like that is going to win anything of consequence. You're going to win a bunch of regular season games, but are you going to win the ones that matter? To me, the answer is no. And James Harden, we all know it. The, the, the history is well documented. He's very, very good in a lot of months, but May is not one of them. That's just the reality of it. I don't mean that to sound nasty. I, it sort of came out of my mouth maybe a little meaner than I meant it to. I'm just making a statement of fact. His postseason performances speak for themselves. So to me, the two places he seems to want to go, Brooklyn and Philadelphia. If you're the Sixers, are you trading Ben Simmons to get him? Because for the life of me, I can't figure out why Houston would trade him to Philadelphia if they weren't getting Ben Simmons back. I believe that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid will never win a championship together. So in that regard, you might say to yourself, it's worth the risk. But honestly, I would say no. If I were Philadelphia, I would try and figure out another way to get this done. I might even just run it back again this season as is with the new coach and hope he can figure out a way to make it work. But if it involves trading Simmons, I'm not doing it. And then as far as Brooklyn, the one question you have is, what is KD doing? While Kyrie and James Harden are averaging 20 seconds of dribbling per possession. So is that trade being made without Kyrie being a part of it? I don't know. If you're Houston, you you do not have your back against the wall. Harden cannot make you do anything. This is not Anthony Davis in the last year of his contract. They can trade him wherever they want to, and they cannot trade him if they don't want to. So he can't dictate the terms. They can dictate the terms. So if, 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 if Brooklyn wants him, I don't know. Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie enough to say, okay, I'll give you James Harden? I don't think it is. But if you're Kevin Durant, now all of a sudden, if you're looking at the possibility of getting Harden or keeping Irving, I think I'm keeping Irving. Now, Kyrie needs to sort of get all this other stuff straightened out. We just heard from Charles Barkley a few minutes ago, if you were with me, but... If they work the off-the-court stuff out, I'd rather have, if I'm KD, I'd rather have Kyrie on the court as far as how the skills meld together than Harden. So I believe Harden will get traded, but I don't think it's as simple as people make it sound, and I'm not sure either of those are the places he's going to wind up, and because he is exactly that, he is mustard, he is an acquired taste, I'm not 100% sure that's what either of those teams should want to do. Coming up next, I have three NFL takes for you, including I have identified the most important player in the upcoming playoffs. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. NFL Game of the Year this weekend. Saints, Chiefs, don't be surprised if Drew Brees is the quarterback for New Orleans. Let's wait and see what winds up happening. In the meantime, I've got three thoughts that I want you to take into this weekend in the NFL. Three things that were rattling around in my head today. Hashtag Bubba, give me a little music, and let me give you the three thoughts that I have. We'll take them in descending order, three, two, and one. Number three. At number three, I'm thinking about the Dallas Cowboys. The disaster that has been their season. The owner's extraordinarily passionate, heated defense of Mike McCarthy saying the idea of changing coaches has never entered his mind for a moment. I'm going to tell you that I really genuinely believe the best outcome of all of this for Dak Prescott is the least likely, which is I think that he would be best off leaving Dallas. I think the Cowboys are in a terrible place. I think they're caught between a rock and a hard place. One of them is the owner and the other one is the general manager. And that's the reality of the situation. No one is looking at it for what it is. Earlier in this hour, I described the Bears as as, as, a, as an organization, as a team that is like a person. When you jump, jump into a pool, you have that period of time where you're going down, 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 down. Then you reach the bottom. Then you propel yourself back up. The best place to be outside of up on top swimming around is having already propelled yourself. The Bears are heading down. That's why that's such a bad coaching job. That's what we were talking about with the Bill Barnwell column earlier. The Cowboys are even worse because they're headed down, but the people making the decisions don't know it. And they have everything in the world, primarily their ego, invested in not acknowledging it. So they're going to be bad. They're going to get worse before they get better. And the best thing that could happen to Dak would be to go find a way to get himself to, I'm just making this up, San Francisco, Indianapolis, someplace like that, with a winning program and a really good team around him, really good coaching, find a way to win a Super Bowl. That would be the best thing that could happen to Dak. I don't think it will. That's number three. Number two. Number two is this. The Pittsburgh Steelers remain every single bit the threat they were three weeks ago to go deep in the playoffs and win the championship. The single biggest thing working against the Steelers has been the schedule. This has been a year where scheduling has been incredibly important. Sometimes we look at that and say, well, did a team have a short week? Did a team have a late bye week, an early bye week? Do they have multiple games on the West Coast, on the East Coast? This year, it has been more impactful than ever. I don't know how many times I need to say this to you. I was the one who told you on this show, Washington is going to beat the Steelers on that Monday at 5 o'clock. Because Washington had 11 days between games and Pittsburgh had 5. Pittsburgh played Wednesday afternoon, then Monday afternoon, then Sunday night on the road against Buffalo. And that's why they lost two out of those three games. And now they've had a chance to rest up. Now they had a little extra time. They go from a Sunday to a week from Monday, if you will, which is this coming Monday in a very winnable game, obviously, against Cincinnati. Excellent time to get healthy. Excellent time to get right. The big concern is that they blew their window to be the one seed in the AFC. That's obviously critical. 
They desperately need Kansas City to lose this weekend to New Orleans. They desperately need the one seed because everybody does. It's never been more important than it is this season, not in the history of the NFL. But the idea that the Steelers are dropping like a rock is just not right. The schedule is a huge factor in those losses, and they will bounce back big. We will stop worrying about them very quickly. All right, and then finally, number one. Here's number one. I will now tell you the name of the most important player in the NFL playoffs. It is not Aaron Rodgers. It is not Patrick Mahomes. It's not anyone you think it is. It's Jared Goff. Jared Goff is the most important player in the NFC playoffs, and I will tell you why. Not that he is more important on one level than Aaron Rodgers or Mahomes or Breeze or Roethlisberger. Everyone's quarterback is important. But here's the point. Are you pretty confident you're going to get championship performance, championship-level performance out of Patrick Mahomes, out of Aaron Rodgers, out of Tom Brady, out of Russell Wilson? The answers to all of those questions are obviously yes. How confident are you you're going to get it out of Jared Goff? Because I'm here to tell you right now, if Goff is not severely outplayed in any playoff game, the Rams will go to the Super Bowl. I'll say it again. The Los Angeles Rams will go to the Super Bowl this year if their quarterback plays great. Their defense is every bit legit. Their coach is every bit elite. They've got weapons that can match anybody. They can do some of the things that give those other good teams trouble. The question is, does the quarterback rise up and play great? If Jared Goff plays great, the Los Angeles Rams will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. They will beat Green Bay because they do exactly what Green Bay can't stop. They'll run it right up the middle against that weak Green Bay defense, and they will pressure the heck out of Aaron Rodgers. They'll do the same thing to Brady and the Bucks. They're a very dangerous team, but do you trust the quarterback? That's the question. The answer is simple. Who knows? If the quarterback plays great, the Rams will win the NFC, and that is why I say he is the most important player in the NFL playoffs. All right, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If you're out on the roads or anything like that, be careful, be safe. We got a little snow, we got a little ice, at least where I am, we do. So be well. Thank you very much for hanging out here. I'll be back tomorrow morning on Get Up as per usual on a football Friday. We'll be coming off Raiders Chargers. We'll have a lot to get into. So we'll see you then and then back here as always on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.